I set up here, I invite you to take out your program. There are a few announcements uh, in the bulletin that I might highlight for us. And uh, today we have the gathering for the College Young Adult Group in uh, room 27 uh, at 4 o'clock. Tonight is the West Covina Bible study at Derek and Suzanne Yee's home, if you're involved in that. And then uh, just, to, just to highlight a couple things as you look forward to the things coming up down the road, Young Marrieds Group. Young Marrieds Group is for anyone who is uh, newly married that wants to come, and we have fellowship and, and uh, discussion around uh, marriage topics, and it's a great fun group. Next week we're meeting for that. Uh, upper Room Men's Bible Study uh, in a couple weeks, and Orange Family Time is now getting started back in the new year, fourth Sunday of every month. And so there's a, there's a number of announcements here I can uh, draw your, we can draw our attention to and highlight for those things that you might be involved in. Also in your bulletin, uh, you will find a, a connection card. The connection card is a blue and white card. I encourage you to fill this out. If you are a first-time guest with us, we would love to have some information just to give you an uh, official welcome to the church, send you an email or a postcard, and maybe uh, give you a little information about the church. And um, after the service, you can leave that on the pew, and the ushers will come around and pick those up. If you are a regular attender, I also encourage you to fill this out. This is a great way for us to stay in uh, touch with you and kind of know what's going on in your life. On the, on the back, you can request information or you can leave a comment, a prayer request, or a, a praise report. And uh, just to let you know, we actually do look at these every week. In fact, we pray for all of these at our Sunday morning prayer meeting at 845 in room 2. Every week we pray for all of the prayer requests that are given on this card. And that's open to anyone. I invite you to come to our prayer meeting. Once in a while we'll have a prayer request that just uh, stands out. And um, I just want to highlight one that was given by Cece Gonzalez last week. Cece and George are uh, friends of Joaquin. Cece is over here. George is up here up here. They don't sit apart because they're having marriage problems. George is on the worship team. And uh, so, uh, but George is in a motorcycle group with a guy by the name of Joaquin. And one of the things their motorcycle group does is a couple weeks before Christmas, they go in to um, LA and they deliver some presents for kids for Christmas who would might not, who might not uh, have a presence otherwise. And so his group went in, and after they were done, they had all separated and going their separate ways. And on their way home, Joaquin was hit on his motorcycle by a drunk driver. And, uh, and he has been in critical condition. But uh, Cece gives this update. So far, the Lord has brought him out of critical condition to stable and is no longer in a coma. He has opened his eyes now and is responding in some degree. The doctors are surprised, but I'm not because I believe in miracles. So please pray with me for a miracle of full recovery. So that's a prayer, that's a prayer you can keep in, a prayer request that you can keep in your uh, prayers throughout this, this week and these upcoming weeks. But I love the way that Cece words this. I love what she says here. The doctors are surprised, but I'm not. Because I believe in miracles. Do you believe in miracles? A miracle is uh, very simply 
an act of God that cannot be explained by human reasoning, right? And uh, things that God does that, you know, in our own comprehension of natural laws and these things, we're like, we can't quite get our minds around it other than to say God must have acted. And uh, sometimes we can use the word kind of flippantly. I've got a friend, every time he uh, every time he calls me and I answer the phone, he says, it's a miracle, you answered your phone. I think I missed his call like maybe two times, but he always gives me a hard time. I got here today and there was no traffic, it's a miracle. And we say these things, but really uh, deep down inside we know what a miracle is. It is these things that, that only can be explained uh, by God. And many of us have experienced these things in our own lives. We know that there have been times where apart from God, there was no way that that was going to happen. And we tell each other about, we hear uh, stories about healings and uh, provision and protection and answered prayers. And we experience these things in our own lives. Uh, Don, you have, uh, go ahead. Just a second. Let me give you a microphone. Thank you. Can you pass that? Yeah, we'll make time. This is what we gather for. Yeah. Well, anyways, my name is Don Murashiga, and um, I lost my wife of 54 years um, last um, March. And um, it's been hard for me, really difficult to lose a spouse. But anyways, uh, I have to give you, I guess, some background of, of what she was like. Anyways, um, we were married in 1961, and um, she, um, we had our first child in 65, our second child in 67. Well, two months after that, she came down with MS, and um, she was paralyzed from her waist down. Mm -hmm. And she came back a little bit and walked, was able to walk, but it happened about three times during that, the next three summers that she was paralyzed, and then she came back and walked again. But then uh, from 70 to 85, she was pretty good. She could walk as long as she watched, uh, um, or she couldn't overdo whatever her thing was. And um, 85 was the time when she had a real bad uh, um, MS. Uh, anyway, she, she was bedridden from there. And um, so all these years, um, of course, you know, I was a, the caregiver. And, um, but anyways, what happened was that in, uh, in right after Christmas, I guess it was a Sunday after Christmas, this past Christmas, I was in bed and um, I was lying down and, um, well, I was asleep. And something awoke me. And I don't know what it was, but anyways, I was looking out towards my window, you know, and I saw a veil there, mm -hmm. and I saw a head and, a, and an arm. And I said, right away, I said, Chigeko, because that's the name of my wife. And she nodded and waved. Mm -hmm. And um, um, after that, I said, oh, I love you. And then I think she responded again with a nod and a, a wave. I'm not positive about that. But then it faded out. Mm -hmm. But I say this because... Um, to me, it's a confirmation that she's with me and that she's there wherever I am, she's here. And I had a problem with that when she first passed away. 
And um, at first I had doubts, would I ever see her again? And it, doubts just came with it and, and it got worse and worse. I, I talked to Pastor Rick and, um, and uh, he gave me some uh, um, verses from the Bible and then I knew right then that, that I had to change, you know, that, that I will see her again. And so when this miracle came about, I know that I'm going to see her again. I know that she's with me. So it's really, it was really something that stirred me up, and and um, I couldn't believe it, of course. And I've shared for with some people, just very few people, but some of them um, probably question, you know, like all maybe non-Christians. Oh, you know, you're probably sleepwalking or <laughs> whatever. But to me, it was real, and Amen. that's why I would like to share it because the miracle happened to me. Yeah, thank you. There are these things that uh, we can't quite explain with human reasoning. These things that are obvious of God, obviously from God. And, uh, and uh, thank you, Don. Uh, for sharing. And I'm sure if we were to take time, we could go around the room and, man, we could have a spectacular just storytelling time of all the things that God has done in our lives. Because God is real. And, uh, and these bodies that we uh, dwell in are here temporarily. But there is a spirit that lives within us that will live on forever. And God is working not only in the physical world, but in the spiritual world as well. As, we, uh, as Don shares, it is interesting to note that, you know, Don shared about how his wife was paralyzed and, um, and couldn't walk. And there would be times where God would give uh, her the ability to walk and, and then uh, she would have uh, the ability uh, to walk and then continued to struggle along those lines. Uh, there is a story in the Bible, actually, that is, uh, that can relate to this. There is a, there's a story in Mark chapter 2 where there is a man who is paralyzed, at least from the waist down. We know he can't walk. Let's look at, let's, this actually ties into um, what we were going to look at this morning. The Bible is, uh, shares with us all kinds of stories about uh, miraculous events that Jesus does. And uh, all of these events... Uh, are specifically chosen to be in the Bible because they teach us about something that Jesus did. Let's look at this passage in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verses. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men uh, came, carrying to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Some of the teachers of the law were sitting there. Some of the teachers of the law who were sitting there 
were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He is blaspheming. Only God can, or who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Let's take a minute and just uh, pray that God would speak to us. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together today. God, I thank you for that you do not leave us alone. That even as Don has shared with us, there are little moments that you intervene at just the right time to do things that can only be explained by your presence and existence in our lives. And God, I pray that as we consider this passage this morning, that you would speak to us about the lives that we are living, that you would speak to us and give us faith and help us to live the lives that you want us to live. So God, I pray that you would, uh, that you would come and meet with us and be our teacher now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can imagine uh, what it would have been like to be in this room. I can imagine uh, you hear that this man, Jesus, is coming to town. Word about him has been spreading all over the place because he has been uh, doing miracles and he's been teaching. And uh, you want to just get a glimpse of what he is going to do. And so you hear that he is home. Now it says that he is home in Capernaum. We don't know whose home this is, but there, it must have been some sort of home base for him. So you know where to find him. And you show up and you're not the only one looking for him. The house is packed. I mean, if you, were, uh, if you were in there, you'd just be elbow to elbow with people. There is no room if fire, uh, code, if fire enforcement codes were in place in that day, they would have shut it down because this is packed in there as full as it can be. And Jesus begins to teach. And this is uh, why you have, heard, you have come to hear him. And Jesus is a master teacher. I mean, he knows how to tell a story, not just for entertainment's sake, but the stories he tells somehow have, uh, have a personal impact on you. They, they convict you to the core. He has these uh, teachings, and it seems that he's speaking directly to you, and you hang on every word. I mean, Jesus was a master teacher. And as you're in the room, and you're listening to, listening to him teach, your gaze is fixed directly on his face. But as you listen, as you watch him and listen to him, you can't help but notice there seems to be some dust that's kind of flittering from the ceiling. And you're listening very intently to every word that he shares, but man, there is a ruckus taking place up, up above. You wonder what's going on. And even though you're looking directly at him, you can't help but notice that eventually somebody's hand punches through the ceiling. 
I mean, something is going on here. Can you imagine if we were to gather for worship and all of a sudden you hear this noise and somebody's like breaking through the roof? We'd run for the doorways, right? But for some reason, people are there and they, and they stay. And Jesus, uh, you, you begin to watch his face again. How is he going to handle this? He's probably going to be frustrated, right? Here he is. He's come to teach, and he has this room full of his uh, people, and you think maybe he's going to be angry. Man, why couldn't you guys? I'll, do, I'll help you out. Just wait until I'm done, all right? Show some patience. And you watch Jesus, and, uh, and they continue to dig this hole through the roof, and then eventually there is a, there's a cot, a, a bed of some sort, that's being lowered down with a man that's lay, that, lays on, that is lying on it. He's a paralyzed man, a man that can't walk. And, his, and there's a rope on, ed, on the, all four corners, and he's lowered right down uh, before Jesus' feet. Okay, here's where we're going to find out how Jesus feels about it. The first word that comes out of his mouth is son. It's a tender word. A word of endearment that you'd obviously use for your own child. If son, if it would have been a woman, he would have said daughter. And he uh, looks at this person and there is compassion in his eyes. Verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Wow, what a spectacular scene. Uh, and it is interesting to note here, as I was reading this, I, uh, I made this observation. It kind of dawned on me because I, as I kept reading this, I just naturally I would say, knowing the story, I would think Jesus saw his faith and he said to the paralyzed man. But it says their faith. It has to be, uh, it has to, the, the plural there, I would imagine, has to refer to, the, to his friends that lowered him through the roof. You see, Jesus is always on the lookout for people of faith. This is the first thing that, as I said, all of these miracles, they teach us something about Jesus. The first thing that we might say about Jesus is that Jesus is always on the lookout for people of faith. Because he's at work and he's going to use those who believe in him, who have faith in him. C.C. Is, is, is testifying that God is working in Joaquin's life. And I don't know if Joaquin is a Christian. He might be. I honestly don't know. But I know George and C.C. are. And I know that we've been praying for him in our prayer meeting. And so I believe that God works through these type of things. He works for peop- through people of faith. He is on the lookout for faith. Luke 18.8 says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It's a great question. As he looks upon our lives, does he find faith? Now, just to clarify, faith is not just simply a word to say, yeah, I agree with something. I believe something. You know, you, you say, yeah, you say that. I believe God exists, and, and yet we go out and we don't, it doesn't change our lives at all. Faith is actually an action word. When we think about uh, the, the faith that Jesus sees in the men in this, uh, in this uh, story, 
he sees that they have faith. Why? Because they tore through the roof and they lowered a person down. And when we read through the Bible, we notice that faith is always seen in what people do. Hebrews 11 we call the faith chapter. And it gives example after example. By faith, someone did something. By faith, Noah built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea on dry ground. Over and over again, we get this, this message from the Bible that faith is an action word. It is meant to be, uh, we are meant to do the things that we say we believe. This past summer, uh, we took Dawson and Kinsey to, uh, to SeaWorld down in San Diego. And what's the first thing you see uh, in the distance when you get to SeaWorld? It's that big roller coaster, the journey to Atlantis, right? And so we pull into the parking lot, and Dawson says, what's that one? I said, that's the big roller coaster. That's the journey to Atlantis. I said, uh, and he said, I want to go on that one. So we get through the front gate, and uh, we go, and we look at it, and we see that big drop. And I said, Dawson, are you sure you want to do this? It's kind of a scary roller coaster. He said, yeah, yeah, I really want to do it. And so he said, okay. And we wait through the line. We have to, he gets measured. He, like, makes it by, like, a quarter of an inch. He's just tall enough. We wait through this long line, and we're about to get on. And he says, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and... Uh, and I, and I said, you really have to go? I mean, we just waited through this long line. He said, I really got to go. I can't hold it. So we step through the, car, the, through the car. We run around, go to the bathroom. And he says, man, I really want to go on the ride. Let's go, Dad. I said, are you sure you had to go to the bathroom? And, I, and he says, yeah, I really want to. So we get through the line. We go through it again. We get right up there. And he says, I got to go again. And... Uh, I said, okay, Dawson, are you, uh, are you really have to go? He's like, yeah, I can't. So anyway, we go through again. We go to the bathroom. And I, try, and I said, Dawson, we're not going to go through the line again, okay? Uh, we've gone through twice. And, um, but he says, Dad, I really, really want to go. And he talks me into it. We get, in the, uh, we get in line again. We sit through the line all the way through. We get up there, and he says, Dad, I really want to go on the ride but let's go on it next year. (laughs) So it's one thing to say all kinds of things. It's another thing to actually do it. We say, man, I really want my friends and my family to go to heaven, but do we actually do anything about it? We say, I really want to live a godly life, but do we make the sacrifices to live that kind of life? We say, I really want to love others. But love is an action, and faith is an action. And if God is calling us to be people of faith, then he's calling us to step outside of our comfort zone and to actually do the things that he calls us to do. Christianity is not to say a prayer once upon a time and then to sit around and play video games, or watch soap operas the rest of our lives. Christianity calls us to actually live out the lives 
that God wants us to live. We're not called to live on the side, to stand on the sidelines, but to be involved in the game. The second thing this uh, miracle teaches us about Jesus is that Jesus prioritizes the spiritual over the physical. If I would have been sitting here in this uh, room and Jesus and uh, this man is lowered before Jesus and I hear him say, Son, your sins are forgiven. I think my thought would have been, uh, hello, Jesus. He's not worried about his sins. This guy obviously can't walk. He's here because he wants to walk. And, uh, and I would think, uh, wake up, Jesus. Let's deal with the issue at hand. But no, Jesus looks at this man, and he sees that his uh, primary need is not physical, but is spiritual. That is what Jesus prioritizes here. And I think Jesus might look at us and our lives, and we give so much attention to the physical. Not that any of these things are bad, but man, we give a lot of attention to all the responsibilities that we have, meetings to attend, bills to pay, uh, food to put on the table, all of these things. None of them are bad, but Jesus might look at our lives and say, "Uh, duh, wake up. The spiritual is what is really most important. And so it's good to evaluate our lives and to See, where are our priorities at? Are we in line with the way that Jesus thinks about our lives and that the spiritual should be number one, not somewhere down the list? As I was thinking about this passage, uh, I thought, you know what? I would love to have Taishi come and just uh, talk to us about what he does for a living. living. Taishi is a caregiver, And uh, so obviously he's working with people that have real physical needs. But he always is seeking to share about the love of Jesus with them. And, uh, And he prioritizes the spiritual even as he cares for the physical. So I'm going to invite Taishi to come and to share us about what, share with us about what he does. Good morning, everyone. My name is Taishi. I'm from Japan. So sorry about my English. I try my best to speak clear as possible. Uh, I wa- I've been working with my patient and who suffer from dementia. And uh, uh, they are a lot of need. You know, they had a lot of physical need. But through my you know, work experience, uh, primary need is spiritual. I met, I saw a lot of patients that they couldn't walk by themselves. They can't eat by themselves. They couldn't sleep well. Sometimes they think night is a day. They get confused because the, the medication they took, the many of them, they are neglected, you know, mistreated by their own family. I don't know how much they understand their situation, but for sure, absolutely sure, I know that they are very fragile, and very sensitive about people who treat them. I know that they are very fragile and sensitive, so I take all opportunities to make them feel loved. What kind of love? God's love. I met one patient, and she's a, she was 90 years old. She could eat. She can talk. She can express what she needs. Sadly, I never seen 
her family visits her when I work there. It's kind of sad. I have a lot of compassion toward her. And, but, uh, you know, I have a sorrow, and I won't listen to her. Since she has dementia, she speaks same story again and again, you know, when I visit. But patiently, I speak, I listen to her. I try to laugh as, as loud as possible when she hits a funny line, like I heard the story first time. And uh, I have also night shift, you know. So I visit her. I, I, go, I go see her very often around 9. She's still awake because she couldn't sleep too early for her. Then I always sit by her. Then I ask her, um, am I good enough? I ask her, I'm good enough. Then she said, yeah, Taishi, you're fantastic for me. Because she knows how I treat her. Then she knows I'm so different from other caregiver. Then I ask her again, am I good enough to go heaven? Then she paused. Then she told me, oh, Taishi, I don't know that. Then I told her, you know, oh, God sent his only son, Jesus, die on the cross. And, you know, he was raised in three days. Yes, amen, right? <laughs> then, um, I, if I die today, I go heaven for sure. Not because I'm not good enough. I'm not good. I'm good enough. Because it's God's grace, so I go heaven. Then I, I, you know, I see her right here. Then look at her eyes. I really, really want to see you in heaven. Can you go heaven? You know? Something like that. I, I talked to her not only one time, many times. And one night. As I visit her room again, she said, Hey, Taishi, I want to believe what you believe. The night her soul was saved. Through that, I know that God's the one touched, you know, deeply uh, inner heart of, you know, people, inner heart of people. And God's the one, you know, satisfy, you know, people completely. Thank you. Thank you, Taishi. Uh, I really do believe, as Taishi shared, that the forgiveness of sins is the greatest miracle that can happen on the face of the earth. When we talk about uh, uh, Taishi sharing with his client, and she receiving Christ. That's the greatest miracle that could possibly happen. We hear about people that uh, hear that they know that they have cancer, and all of a sudden the cancer is gone. It's a miracle. People that couldn't see, all of a sudden God heals them and touches their eyes, and they can see clearly. It's a miracle. People that couldn't walk, they're paralyzed, and yet God... uh, touches them in some ways, and they stand up and they walk. It's a miracle. But the greatest miracle that could possibly happen is what takes place in someone's heart when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, uh, even as he points out here in this passage, 
that Jesus' physical healing of this man proves his ability to heal him spiritually. When Jesus, heals, uh, when Jesus forgives this person, the teachers of the law, they're asking, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. And Jesus says, so that you will know that I have the power to forgive this man's sin. He tells him to get up and to walk and to carry his mat out. And that's exactly what he does. You see, this points us to the last thing that we learn about Jesus here in this passage. And that is that Jesus is God. See, only God could have done what Jesus did here. Jesus, uh, uh, we give the scribes a hard time for asking this question, saying, why does this fellow talk like this? Only God can forgive sins. Well, actually, they're saying exactly what is true. They're actually asking very good questions. It is only God who can provide forgiveness. But the reason Jesus can say what he uh, says is because he is God. Another thing in this passage that points us points to Jesus being God is that it is only God who knows what is in a person's heart. And, and verse 8 says, Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were saying in their hearts. Je- I think the main reason that Mark shares this story, he picked it out very intentionally, it's early in the gospel, because he wants to, uh, to communicate to his readers very clearly, that this is not just some miracle worker, this is not just some good teacher, but this is God himself in human form. It is only God who knows hearts. And even as, he, even as we gather here this morning, he knows exactly what is in our hearts. And he is looking at us, hoping that we would be people of faith that he can work through. As he looks into our hearts, what kind of person does he see? In this example, we, in this uh, story, we might say there are three types of people. First, there are skeptics of God's works. There are these people that sit on the sidelines and say, you know what, yeah, that's all good, but he can't really do that. And in our world today, we've got lots of skeptics. You can tell people, uh, like Don shared, he tells people and they think, oh yeah, he's just sleepwalking. He's got these, uh, s- some sort of uh, dreams going on. And we can tell people, sure, yeah, you, I understand your story, but it can't really happen that way. There's a lot of skeptics out there. And then we got a lot of spectators. The room is packed with spectators. I mean, this house is full where Jesus is speaking. And we got a lot of spectators in our world today, too. People that just come and they watch and they're looking from the distance and they like to hear good stories and they like to uh, understand what's going on and learn about the Bible, but they're spectators on the outside looking in. But do you know who uh, really inspires us from this passage is the people that tear through the roof because these are the ones that are sharers in God's work. And God is looking for people to share in his work, to be participants, to put their faith in action. Mitchell Lee is around here somewhere this morning. I don't know where he's at right now. Actually, I just saw him walk out. I don't know where he's going. That's to use the restroom. Uh, But Mitchell was a a college student uh, here in our church, and he was on the bus this uh, past week, and uh, he's a student at Mount Sac. And as he's riding home, 
uh, from class. He sees this guy. He's like, hey, I think I know that guy. And he goes back and he says, hey, I'm Mitchell. I think I went to middle school with you. He says, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you. And Mitchell sits down and it, and it dawns on him at that time. That guy, when he knew him, he was a practicing Jehovah's Witness. And so he says, hey, are you still a Jehovah's Witness? And uh, it's a very bold question. It's a, it's a great question to ask, though, because they had a long conversation about faith. This guy didn't commit to, uh, uh, to put his faith in Jesus Christ, but, they, but there's a foundation there now. And I think God is calling us to share in his work, to be involved in miracles. And the greatest miracle in the, on the face of the earth is when God forgives someone's sins and he saves them. And if we, are, if we do say we believe in miracles and we say we want to be used by God, then these are the type of questions we ought to start asking people. Hey, are you still practicing your faith? Are you going to church? Do you, uh, do you, what do you think it means to be a Christian? As Taishi uh, said, you know, do you think that you'll go to heaven when you die? All kinds of questions. They're kind of scary questions, but they're actually very good questions for getting conversations started so that we can be used by God. Last week, Pastor Rick challenged us. He said, you remember back in August when I asked you to pray for someone who is an unbeliever? That's my challenge for us today. May we continue to pray that God would give us open doors to pray for, by name to those that, uh, that need to know him. Continue to pray that God would use us. Let's, let's close in prayer right now. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to gather together today and to look at your word. And I pray that, you, that we would be participants in your work that we would share in what you are doing in the world today. Make us men and women of faith, a faith that has action in the way that we live. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together for our...